To Hell with the Hot Dish represents the opinions and musings of three not overly intelligent pastors working to challenge a church long defined by a cliché casserole culture. The thoughts expressed here are their own and not necessarily the thoughts of any larger institution. So feel free to find your seat, stow all expectations for answers in the overhead compartment, and join us on this misguided adventure. This is To Hell with the Hot Dish. The Hot Dish, this podcast where we talk about faith and life. I am Kyle, coming to you from the U.S. of A. and in the great state of Texas. And I'm Lauren, also in the U.S. of A. in the great state of Ohio. And Alex is not with us. Where are you, buddy? Yeah, he's nowhere. Hear that? Wait a minute. Hear that? Crickets. That's the sound of serenity. (laughs) You don't have an extremely loud voice blaring in your earbuds right now. Alex is not in America at all. He is in Haiti uh, serving with some people from his church in Jacmel, Haiti this week. Um, So you're stuck in this episode with Kyle and Lorne. So we guarantee that this episode might not be as funny, but you'll probably get more content out of it. (laughs) I was going to say. It'll be much more peaceful. Yeah. You can put this on as you go to sleep and you'll probably, you know, drift off silently. Right. Kyle tried to do an intro a few episodes ago and Alex just ripped into him because he said, no, 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 that's not the energy you need. Well, guess what, Alex? When the cat's away, the mice that's will That's right. You're not here, buddy. This is going out. Yep. That's right. And we want to talk about some things that uh, we're interested in that, that we want to talk about. And I want to start out today. By asking, Kyle, have you been watching the Olympic trials? Uh, Yes. I don't know about you. I mean, I love the Olympics. And now, because I've got a – I'm still waiting for them to come out, I'm loving the Olympic trials right now. We've got those on TV. Uh, My wife and I both love that. In fact, when our first son was born – it was right when the Olympics were going on in London. And so she stayed home during her maternity for those first two weeks. All she did was watch Olympics. And so we tried to time the birth of our second child to co- coincide with the, with, the la- with the next Olympics. It didn't work out. But we love to watch those. And it's just an exciting time. I love to compete and see what, see what the athletes are doing. I mean, we love to watch the Americans. We've been watching the uh, gymnastics right now. That's kind of big. Yeah, they had the PNG Classic on, which uh, isn't the trials, but it's a part of the Olympic process for the women. Right. And the men's men's team got solidified a couple nights ago, which was exciting to see that. I love hearing the Olympians, their stories Mm -hmm. of, you know, when when you get a little background on where they came from and what they were about. One of the uh, guys on the men's team was grew up in the Bronx, I think, or in Brooklyn. And uh, had a dad that was a janitor and helped pay his way to get uh, gymnastics lessons. Just such cool stories that come out of that. But the last Olympics during London, uh, four years ago, we were living out in Colorado. 
And we went down to the Springs to the Olympic Training Center. Yeah. And so we got to tour the training center during like the Olympic training season, right at the end of when they were training. And my wife was a competitive swimmer her whole life and swam in college and was even an Olympic hopeful when she was a young girl Mm -hmm. um, because she was number one in the nation in backstroke, just a really, really good swimmer. And if you're listening, honey, I love you. Wink. Um, But but, um, we went to the Olympic Trials Center and we were standing outside the pool. There's this big glass window. And we're looking for people. And right there doing his arm stretch thing was Michael Phelps warming up right there in front of us, the plexiglass window, which was just the coolest thing in the world. The big wingspan. Oh, my goodness. That dude is a freak of nature. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's a, yeah. The dude was just made to swim. <laughs> yeah, built for it. Yeah. He's back. He's going to be back this he's year. He's back. Yeah. I don't know what he's going to do. I, I, yeah. Um, I think it's going to be interesting because there's a couple of new guys, younger guys that are going to, th- I think, give Lockie, Lockie, Lockie and yeah. uh, Phelps a run for their money. Yeah. So that's all good. They push it's each gonna other. It's going to be cool. They push each other. They do. I love the Olympics, though. I'm telling you, I, I bleed red, white, and blue during <laughs> the Olympics. I, I wear it every day. Um, when we were out there, I bought all this Olympic uh, gear, T-shirts, hats, shorts, so I wear it all the time. That's right. This is the time of the year for that too, right? I mean, this is coming out – will probably come out right after the 4th of July. I will be for the 4th of July weekend at the lake and I will be spending time with some of my wife's family and we will have our own little personal fireworks show going off our the the boat dock the family boat dock down there. My father in law uh, goes, and um, I don't know how much he spends on this, but a lot. And it's the fireworks way too close, but it is very cool because it's right above your head. So we will be blasting off things to celebrate the Fourth of July. It's the only way to do it. it and it I tell is. you, I, I envision right now, like in Texas, you know, that everything's got to be bigger in Texas, right? So. Yeah. I just have this image of like some crazy uncle of yours <laughs> with like a shed full of pyro, like <laughs> pyrotechnics. And uh, you guys just like lighting the whole, you know, the whole prairie on fire. You have to be careful when there is a burn ban, right? I will tell you that. There's plenty of stories about that. You got to know when you can't shoot them off. But boy, you can have a whole truck bed full of stuff. You can light up the sky. Yeah, we we do it good. We do it big. Yeah, I I grew up loving the 4th of July. It was one of my favorite holidays, favorite times of the year. The pool's open. Uh, you get those popsicles that are red, white, and those blue. Are the best. That are, oh my goodness, they are amazing. The white part is white cherry. So good. <laughs> and uh, that's the secret flavor. Oh, oh, you just spilled the secret. I know my ice cream and popsicles, <laughs> okay? And, <laughs> that's your niche. And um, yeah, white cherry, totally. But I love it. I grew up being a pretty patriotic kid. There's something about this time of year, seeing American flags out, the parades, the fireworks, the sparklers, that warms my heart. Uh, you know, there, there is something about it that I love, this sense of pride in our nation, pride in America. There's something that I, I really enjoy about it. Mm-hmm. I imagine it's the same for you in oh, Texas. There. absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I th- there's a lot of pride and fun and a lot that I love about it. I think one of the things we want to talk about and wrestle with is kind of talk about those ideas of loving our country and loving the freedom that we have. And also, how does that dialogue with our faith, right? Right. How do they interact? How else are they are they held together? 
can we pay attention to both at the same time? Yeah, I think that's so important, Kyle, because this is something that I've thought about for a long time in my adult life now. This patriotism that I have on one level and yet this sense of my identity being a follower of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And how do the two of those things coincide? And how are, the, how are the two of those things sometimes in disagreement or at odds with each other? And I, I often think that in our culture, we really easily lump patriotism and nationalism um, in America in with our Christian faith. And sometimes that can do some damage or it can, it can help kind of convolute our discipleship, mm -hmm. our following of Jesus. And mm -hmm. I, I think it's a really interesting thing. And this is the time of year where churches all over do different things in worship, right? Oh, yeah. This last weekend, 4th of July weekend, I'm sure, sure that there were churches out there that every hymn was a patriotic mm -hmm. hymn, right? Mm -hmm. And the sermon was about America. They might even process in with the American flag and your state flag in the sanctuary. Did did you grow up in, with any of that? Yeah, uh, we grew up, we would do some in church. We might do one, you know, patriotic song. I'm, I'm trying to think back. I think when I was really young, I remember the American and Christian flag. We never processed in with that, but I remember them being in the sanctuary. I was young, so I really wasn't aware of some of the things that were happening. At some point, I remember then they weren't there, which, you know, is often a topic of conversation in churches as well. So it kind of had a mixture, I think, in my, in my growing up. One thing I remember, though, was when I was young, I went to a private Christian school and we would start each day like they do in a lot of schools. So we'd stand and we'd pledge allegiance to the flag, to the American flag. And then we would turn and we would pledge allegiance to the Christian flag. This was a Christian school. We had a Christian flag in there. So in the classroom, we'd pledge allegiance to the Christian flag. Then we would pledge allegiance to the Bible. Now, looking back, I don't hear of that happening uh, as much anymore. So I kind of grew up with them kind of all pledged one after another, just kind of pledging those. That's part of what gave me some pause and reflection and some idea to do an episode like this where we could talk about how do they meld together and do we, do we hold them on the same level? Do we hold one above the other? How do we think of it? Right, because most of my life, you know, like growing up, I don't think I gave much thought at all. No, I didn't either, yeah. To pl pledging allegiance to America, which I'm a proud American. I served in the Army. I served in a war. I have a U.S. Army tattoo on my right shoulder. Um, <laughs> the, you know, the left shoulder, I have a cross tattoo. Um, people in my church that are listening are like, I didn't know Pastor Lauren had tattoos. Well, guess what? I do. There you go. But I, I grew up not thinking a whole lot about this. But it's interesting hearing you talk about that, pledging allegiance to the American flag, the Christian flag, and the Bible. The question that I find really interesting is, well, which flag has ultimate authority? Yeah, And I began really wrestling with this as a proud, patriotic Ohio boy. I began wrestling with this when I was deployed in Iraq. And I had grown up in the church, but during my young adult years, like a lot of, a lot of young people, I sort of fell away from my faith. And my identity was really wrapped up in being in the army, being a soldier. You know, I put the got the army license plate, had the bumper sticker in my window, the window decal. I wore army T-shirts <laughs> all the time. My identity, I was most proud of being yeah. a soldier. And what that represented to me was everything about our country. Um, this this mm -hmm. ideal, these principles of freedom and democracy and equality for all people, all of that, I was just so uh, firmly proud of. 
But when I was deployed, I really started struggling with my identity. You know, who was I? What did I believe? And I really came into my faith and started reading scripture and praying and wrestling with what do I believe about God and who Jesus is. And when that happened, I remember thinking one day on my base in Iraq, and I was looking at this large flagpole with an American flag up, a huge flag. And I began thinking to myself metaphorically, well, which flag flies higher? Because in the military, mm -hmm. you know, it's the American flag, and then there's a rank of other flags that fly in order underneath it. You know, the Army mm -hmm. flag goes before the Marine Corps flag and all that. And I started thinking to myself, well, which flag flies highest in my mm -hmm. life? The American flag or the quote-unquote, like, Christian flag or the flag of my mm -hmm. faith? Which identity am, am I more rooted in? My identity as a disciple of Jesus or as an American citizen? And I didn't have any easy answers, and I still kind of struggle with that from time to time. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, and I think what I was struck by what you were saying was that you're trying to figure this out for yourself, right? And we're not saying, and we're not going to agree or, or come to any kind of consensus on what should be the highest flying flag. It's actually something that you personally have to wrestle with and figure out where where does this stand for me, right? And how am I ordering things with my life and how how is that working for me, right? Like our faith can be intensely personal, but it affects everyone else. So we have to think about that for ourselves. And I think that's part of our faith journey as we wrestle with those things. Right. Well, one of the things I was wrestling with, you know, in particular, being a soldier in a, a war zone, you know, serving in yeah, Iraq. Yeah. When I was reading scripture and I was, you know, falling more and more into my faith, part of what really appealed to me about the message of Jesus was this peace, Jesus being the Prince of Peace, Jesus loving mm -hmm. people, healing people, serving people, not responding to violence with violence. And, and me personally, that message just really spoke to me, that mm -hmm. Jesus would suffer on a cross and face the, the empire, and then God would raise him from the dead. And I struggled then with that, with the reality that I was an American soldier in a war zone supporting a war effort, which mm -hmm. by nature has to do with violence, has to do with mm -hmm. regimes and power. And I really started struggling with that. And that kind of began the process for me of thinking, well, what am I more proud of? Or where is my identity more deeply rooted in being an American or being a Christian? And sometimes they go together really well. I mean, I'm, I'm still an American citizen. I'm proud of my country. But I began asking myself, am I more proud of being from America than I am being a follower of Jesus? Mm -hmm. I wonder at times if people have ever considered that question. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people consider that question. Mm -hmm. I was leading a Bible study at the church and uh, a, an older gentleman showed up and we were talking about identity and baptism and all that. And he said, you know, I think I'm more proud of being a Marine for 34 years than I am of being a disciple of Jesus. Right. And he just kind of admitted that to the group. And he said, and I don't think God's okay with that, but that's where I am. Mm -hmm. And I thought mm -hmm. that is so profound for you to, uh, to begin to recognize that your identity is wrapped up in one thing mm -hmm. when maybe... It could be a good thing or a noble thing, but maybe it's not the identity God wants you to be wrapped up in. I think there's honesty and truth just in that statement, just in that profession of this is where I'm at. You know, this is where I am. Because, I mean, like me growing up and saying those pledges, 
you know, in a Christian school or they taught about manifest destiny and things like that. You're learning, you're being indoctrinated. You may or may not be questioning, you know, and, and so you're just, you're just kind of absorbing everything. And at some point to say, okay, here's where I am. Is this where I really need to be is the first point of reflection, right? And I think there's an honesty about that and to say, okay, who am I really, right? Right. Uh, certainly I've been taught all these things and I love my country and, and I love I love that I'm a Texan too. I mean, I'm very proud. I have a lot of pride. Yeah, people go overseas, okay? They travel in Europe or they travel anywhere. And most people, when they when they ask, maybe in the home country, so, so let's say let's say a group of uh, tourists are in France and they a gr- this group gets off a tour bus and they all go into a restaurant and the, the maitre d' asks the group, oh, where are you from? Someone will say, I'm from Belgium. Someone will say, I'm from South Africa. Someone will say, I'm from Canada. Someone will say, I'm from Texas. Yes, yes. You know, like like the loyalty for Texans is not being a part of the United States of America. It's being from <laughs> Texas. Like nowhere else, <laughs> no other state in the, in the nation nope, nope. is like, you are a unique breed. I've done, I've been there. I've actually said those words and thought, why did I say that instead of America? Right. And if they're in some place... Uh, that, uh, you know, I don't know, they, they might go, oh, I've seen Dallas, you know, the show from way back when. I'm like, oh, yeah, we're kind of like that. <laughs> Less big hair now, oh, but man. that's us. That's us. Yeah. So I'm intensely proud of all that. And then I, I want to also think about my faith calls me to think about what does it mean to be a follower of Christ and to live out of that, right? Well, th- the thing that I think happens often is that the reality of, of how we are wired as people is that there can only be so many things in which our core identity, our sense of self is rooted. Yeah. There can only be a limited number. I mean, we can have a lot of hobby. I like soccer. I like basketball. I, I like watching the Olympics. I like eating ice cream. I like all these things. I You know, I do these things. But how I understand myself, my sense of self, my identity – it can only be rooted in in a few basic things. And then I think I think that the reality is that those things are often in conflict with one another and we don't even recognize it. Mm-hmm. And so what often happens is we begin to morph into a sense of self that might be rooted in something that we don't intend it to be. But over time, our choices, our decisions, our values, how we think and operate and act in the world is influenced by that. Mm -hmm. And so I think what a lot of people do is they lump in this Americanized Christianity, this general sense that to be an American means a couple basic things. But I think it happens in the reverse too. To be a Christian for a lot of Americans is an overgeneralized sense of being. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I'm a Christian because I'm here in America and I'm, you know, my parents were Protestant and these three or four different things. So so what happens is our Christianity is then influenced through the lens of our nationhood instead mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. our nationhood or our, or our citizenship being influenced through the lens of our faith. And I think that's what it boils down to for a lot of people is that we understand our discipleship in Jesus because of the American culture, American values, instead of living out our American citizenship through the values and lens of our faith. Right. And one of the things that's helped me, or at least, you know, kept this process going, is traveling 
I have been blessed and fortunate enough to travel and to meet other citizens around the world from other countries. You know, Christians right. from Denmark, Christians in Haiti, Christians in Guatemala, Christians in mm-hmm. Canada, uh, you know, Christians in Mexico. And and to begin to be able to maybe have more of an identity rooted in my faith than first in my country of origin. Right. Is that what we're called to do as followers of Jesus? I mean, I he traveled all over, right? I mean, he went to the Greek parts of town, the Jewish parts of town. He went. Yeah. He crossed those borders. Yeah, I agree. And I haven't traveled near as widely as you have, but you don't have to go very far to see some of those differences as well, right? I just got back from a mission trip where we were serving on the border. We were in Texas, but we were kind of on the border of Texas and Mexico, and we were serving at a Lutheran mission there and doing day camps and and doing building projects for this little community and this little colonia. And you have a lot of people that their roots are in Mexico, and now they're over here trying to make a new life for themselves. So you're talking about people that come from other walks of life who have daily concerns about survival and taking care of themselves and taking care of their families and, and looking for things. And you just get a glimpse of the rest of the world. You can turn on the TV for crying out loud, right, And in our country and see that there's all kinds of people that are from different walks of life, that have different ways of expressing their faith, that have different ideologies that they adhere to, and yet we all have part of our shared identity as Americans, right? And that yet there's difference there, right? It's There's no one way that it has to be. Right. That's just life experience, I guess, you know, as you travel and as you have conversations with people and say, hey, you know, we maybe don't agree on everything, but yet we we agree on some things. And maybe we agree most on the fact that God calls us to love one another. Right. Right. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, because kind of bringing it back to the whole flag in the sanctuary thing. And a lot of people wonder that. Shouldn't we be proud of being American citizens? And I would say, sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm proud of serving in our in our nation's military. I'm proud of being a citizen of the United States of America. But and I would say this, I'm more proud of being a follower of Jesus, not because of what I've done or where I've been born, but because of what God's done for me. Believe me, people who knew me five years ago would probably hear that and be shocked by my statement because I just exuded that my identity was being an American soldier, you know? And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I don't know what the process has been other than being more and more shaped into a disciple of Jesus that I don't forget that I'm an American, but it's not the central thing. So I think a lot of congregations that maybe have removed the flag from the sanctuary, it isn't done often because they're anti-America, not, not at all. Mm-hmm. It's done because mm-hmm. we're trying to communicate that when we gather in the sanctuary, we're gathering in the global communion of saints, in the global communion of what the body of Christ is. And we don't want the flag to be the focus. We want the cross to be the focus. We want our identity as Jesus followers to be the focus. And so what we did here, and this was a long time ago, but in our new sanctuary, the flag, we have an American flag and that Christian flag thing. I don't know who designed it or when it was designed, (laughs) but you've seen it. It's like, oddly enough, red, white, and blue. But we have those flags by the main entrance. And the American flag is closest to the exit. And the Christian one is closer to the inside of the building. Mm -hmm. So the idea is that when we come into the building, we're coming into our Christian place of worship. And as we leave our building, we're going out as Christians, but we're going out to live out our discipleship in the context of America. So that's kind of how we think about it. 
And we'll probably do a national hymn right. or something this weekend in worship, but the whole service isn't going to be about America because we're gathered to worship God, yeah. who's the God of the entire universe, not just the God of America. Well, and there's something about God that unites all nations and peoples together, right? right? And we have to acknowledge that. God doesn't come just to Americans, right? So we have to at least keep that in mind. But it's such human nature to form into tribes. Yeah. You know, I, that's, that's probably, you know, since the dawn of time. I mean, clearly the Old Testament is all about this, that people's forming into nation right. states and tribes, and that's where your loyalty is. And I think we're hardwired to do it. And the Olympics are a great example, because even though I hope that I have sensibilities of being a global citizen and disciple of Jesus— you better believe I'm painting my chest red, white, and blue. I am rooting for <laughs> Michael Phelps and no other swimmer. You know, I don't care if they're a Christian right. or not. I am rooting for Michael Phelps. <laughs> uh, I don't, you know, if he's a Christian or not. That's just how the Olympics work. Oh, yeah. But I don't know. I, I you know, I, I wonder where, where you are if you're listening. How, how does this conversation yeah. strike you? Have you ever thought about this? Are we totally off base with what we're saying? I, I don't know. Right. I was thinking, too. I'm always struck by quotes, and I remember one quote from uh, On the Freedom of a Christian by Martin Luther, where he's writing this treatise talking about a Christian identity and says, A Christian is a perfectly free Lord of all, subject to none. And then he also says, A Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject to all. Right? Right. That's profound to me. I can be very patriotic and i am very patriotic what it also does is makes me pay attention to be a servant to all right that i can be proud of my freedom i can be proud of all these things and i certainly am and i will to the day i die be proud of that and that also means that i'm also to care about other people's freedom right and i'm also to care about their faith and their faith journey and so i live out that by the way I care for one another, right? For me, that's a statement of part of where I find my identity right now. But I also see faith and my American identity wrapped up into that. To me, that's what I use to help me out. So I'd be curious to know how you guys, how any other listeners out there try to live that out and how you feel those interplaying. And how do you, do you feel attention there at all? Has this struck any new ideas for right? you? Because American civil religion is a prevalent force in society today. You know, like this idea yeah. that to be an American citizen, that, that we formed this civil religion almost around what it means to be American and yeah. Protestant and white or whatever it might be. Like this idea of American civil mm -hmm. religion where we lump all of it together, we smush it all together, and we bake this like apple pie that... Um, <laughs> that we ingest all the time or this hot dish, let's say that we right, consume right. all the time that I think that the reality of the world and our, our life, our faith is just a whole lot more nuanced than that. And I think it can be a healthy reminder as we celebrate our independence as a nation, as we celebrate all those great ideals and values of America, which, which America to me at, at its heart is an idea, you know, like America to me at its heart yeah. is a dream um, that we have to keep working mm -hmm. towards. Like we have to keep building mm -hmm. a place of equality, a place of inclusion, a place where people have freedom of religion, freedom of expression, freedom to, to gather in a church or a mosque or a synagogue. You know, a, America is this beautiful idea, right. but we have to recognize that Jesus is not an American. Right. Well, and so is the the Olympics, the Olympic spirit, right? Right. Is a chance for all countries and people to come to represent, 
you know, your homeland and to compete in fair ways, right? To compete and to challenge yourself against the other, all in that spirit of competition, right? There's something that unites us together in that moment, right? So I'm going to wear my red, white, and blue, but I will also stand beside all the other colors of the world and say, look, this is a glorious thing to do this together. And that is such a beautiful vision. And yet there is a huge part of me that like when an American gymnast is going uh. against a Russian gymnast, <laughs> I'm like, cream them, cream them, USA, USA. Like that is still such like a, a, an impulse right. in me. But yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. So hopefully this has opened up some wrestling for you as you've been listening. Let us know, you know, where you are on this whole patriotism, faith, discipleship thing, you know, following Christ in our lives, we do it contextually. We do it where we're planted. You know, I do it here in Cincinnati, Ohio, but I also want to have a global lens. Absolutely. And, and we think that that's healthy, you know, for, Ab- um, absolutely. for everyone. So you can get in touch with us on Facebook or you can email us at podcast at to hell with the hot com. but let us know your thoughts and let's join in the conversation. And maybe we'll have Alex next time we get together. Yeah, I think we'll have him back. Yeah, he might be going out for the Haitian track team down there. Maybe he'll try. Yeah, I don't think he has a chance. In, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think he has, Maybe no. shot put. Maybe, maybe shot, shot put. put. Maybe discus. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe that. We miss you, buddy. We can't wait uh, for you to be back. But as always, to hell with the hot dish. To hell with the hot dish. Oh, oh, man.